Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thursday, which means it's time for the front three. This week there's four people, but now Adam Boltwood, unfortunately, who's joining his brother at a party. Of course he is. Uh, joining me, first of all, Chris Hennage, live from America. Good evening. Whereabouts are you in New York? Uh, Brooklyn. Excellent. Hello, Brooklyn. Uh, hello, Florida. Orlando. Yep, that's where I am. Orlando uh, with... What's in Orlando. Disney World, Islands of Adventure, all sorts of theme parks. Do you Me. go to many of them? Uh, it's one of those things where it's like you you go so much as a kid, and now like there's tourists year round as opposed to seasonally. That it, that there's not really much of a point unless you want to wait in four hour lines for something that you've already done about fifteen times. So good point. not that much. Good point. I suppose it's good for a cheesy date, right? Uh, it's really expensive for a date unless you have year passes. So I, I go much cheaper. Uh, you have a year pass, do you? No, I don't. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Dave, how about you? you? You ever been to Disneyland? Uh, I've been to Disneyland Paris, but not Disneyland Orlando. I'm waiting for Nico to send over you know, my flight details that he's paid for, because apparently he's going to get into um, children's toys on YouTube, I've heard. It's a very lucrative thing. Um, so, yeah, when Nico gets big in children's toys, then he can pay for a flight out there. Uh, I don't know what that's referring to. Is this a joke from the other podcast, Nico? That you're some sort of weirdo who likes kids' toys? No, we we uh, we WhatsApp frequently random things, and a little birdie told me that that on YouTube the ad revenue for toys channels, toy review channels, is like thirty times normal because kids are much more susceptible to ads. So I told him we need to start making toy review yeah, I mean, uh, videos. Yeah, kids are a lot more susceptible to ads, and so also at the same are, time, we're going to go for it, Lawrence. It's, for it, I'm afraid. it's one of the few uh, platforms, I think, where they've actually managed to retain some of that ad revenue because no one's dirty within kids' reviews. Uh, yeah, welcome to the world of YouTube. Anyway, let's get down to the world of football because the Premier League finishes this weekend and there's been some other great stuff that's been happening. Uh, let's just go over a few wonderful things that have happened over the past week. Um, first of all, uh, Dave, beautifully for Juventus, um, they've won the Coppa Italia. Um, mm. And... Just like just like the first year that they won it uh, with Gianluigi Buffon, he still celebrates in such a uh, an animated, beautiful way. It's lovely to see. 
I think it's it's what this Juventus team has um, you know has become over the years and years of winning is they do still really care. Um, you know, the two 0 win over Lazio. Again, Dani Alves getting on the score sheet, but Sandro being really involved, grabbing two assists, one for Benucci and, of course, one for Alves. But I think it shows the the want of this squad, the, the need of um, you know to win the trophy. So it's a it's a real interesting one. Um, and congratulations to Juve. You know, um, a first sort of title this, the second title this season, and it's going to be an interesting one coming into the Champions League final and the end of the Serie A table as well, because you know Roma have pegged them back back a little bit. Yeah. Uh... I mean, we'll see about that one. I mean, they they, they don't... I mean, Nico, they, they obviously play great football, but they don't play the most compelling football in the league, do they? Uh, I think, depending on the opponent, is really where, where you'll see Juventus' style change is something that I've touched on before. But something I wanted to highlight, which is sort of the funny thing about this Juventus team, is that just a few days ago, um, they were beaten by Roma 3-1 in the league. And then when it comes to the cup final, when it comes to what really matters, Allegri seems to get the win, and it's a comfortable win. And it's the same thing that happened with Napoli earlier this season, is that they lost them in the league a few days before, and then a few days later in the cup when it mattered, when they needed to be uh, ruthless and, and they were going to be knocked out if they weren't, they won again. So Allegri consistently showing this 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 fluid pragmatism, as I've touched on, and, and really winning when it matters, no matter what. Maybe more on that one later and about being ruthless when it matters as opposed to always being ruthless. And also, if you're always ruthless, does that create the same... Does, does the effects of being ruthless wear off? Um, of course, Mbappe and friends also did very well in uh, France, Nico, uh, as most coaches who won something over the past week have experienced. Um, the, you know, the, the, there was a lovely press conference with the soaking um, and... Uh, lots of players looking very happy. Uh, people, people, obviously, very happy that it wasn't PSG. Yeah, uh, it, it's one of those of of Emery in the league and how big of a disappointment that was. But at the same time, such a such a fantastic achievement by Jardim and all his hard work over the past few years. You know, cultivating this team. So many youngsters brought through. So many players from uh, maybe uh, Ligue 2. Um, brought through and, and really made it into a championship-winning team this season. Another thing uh, that's always nice to see is, you know, they were chanting and, and made up a little song for for Jardim in the press conference after they uh, after they won the title, which is nice to see. It's always nice to see a, a good relationship between the players and the managers, as opposed to you know maybe some some sour grapes sour grapes in between there, uh, despite a, a league title. Interesting point. Yeah. Um... Let's also talk a little bit, though. Uh, Dave, uh, did anyone else win anything in Europe? Uh, and uh, like won the title Germany, today. Germany, Germany, and like to win the title. Fine. That was what we didn't cover. Was the yeah. beautiful uh, stuff that everyone else has already uh, covered. Time after time after time is uh, Dirk Kout's beautiful hat trick uh, and looking so happy post game. Uh, did someone say ill? No, nah, it wouldn't be me, Lawrence. Big fan of Dirk Kout. Dave, why didn't you? You not happy? You can't be happy for no, someone else for not. doing something. He nice played for Liverpool, didn't he, Lawrence? Unfortunately, so you know, wherever he does succeed, it hurts me inside. That's funny, actually. I guess I guess he did score quite a few good goals against Manchester United, and there was that. Yeah, time. well, he scored one hat trick, didn't he, Lawrence, um, against Manchester United? But uh, the, the amount of games that, you know, that United beat Liverpool in that time and that league title as well, where they were so close, Liverpool, the forgotten man once again. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm just happy for Dirk Count now. 
having actually finally won something. Uh, he did originally tweet out, and a few Liverpool fans got a little bit upset. Uh, I think he originally said, was it a tweet or maybe he said? He said best um, moment in, in his career. The, the best moment in his career. <laughs> I mean, you know, t- I mean, no, I mean, to be fair to him, he didn't win. I think he only won the FA Cup with Liverpool, maybe. Win the Champions League with Liverpool, didn't win the league, obviously, with Liverpool. So, and you know what? They, you know, when he first came to Feyenoord, it's it's fair to say, I mean, you know, Dave, Chris, Nico, you'll probably know this way better than I do, but it's fair to say that Feyenoord were not in the same position that they uh, find themselves in now. I think quite a few people mocked the move to Feyenoord, thinking that it was in the twilight of his years that he would just go and sort of fade out there. And that's been obviously far from it. Yeah, I think when he originally got there, um, he, he people sort of mocked him, um, not only him for, for moving, but also, you know, he, he said something along the lines that in, in sort of 10 years down the road or a couple of years down the road, he wouldn't be surprised if um, if Feyenoord had been challenging for the title. And people just laughed that off because I think the club were, weren't in a, in a position where they looked like they were even close. Um, and then now obviously achieving that in his final year, or it looks like he's going to retire. He's already announced that. Um, it's just a, a, a nice little thing for for a player that's you know celebrated uh, across a multitude of leagues yeah i mean you can't fault dirk out for uh a lot of things uh and i you know what i think a lot of people focus in on his work rate i I don't think he has a great first touch um but but he he definitely has uh some a lot of other football smarts um and one of them is about positioning on the pitch uh i mean is there any sort of credit you can give him dave Minimal, I reckon Lawrence. Um, you know, works hard. Did all right sure. under Rafa Benitez. But apart from that, Lawrence, you know, excellent football. Can't praise that. You know, I've got to, I've got to stick with the Man United propaganda, haven't I? The, the fans, the listeners, and you know, top, Tom, Dick, and Harry enjoy on the streets. The, I, I genuinely don't understand who any of those people are. Um, the, a, the fans. I don't know if any of those people exist. B, the listener. I know some of those people exist. I have my suspicion some of them are bots. Um, <laughs> third, uh, Tom, Dick, or indeed Harry. Um, He's appealing to the whatever dick. Whatever that means. Yeah, very good point. Um, excellent banter from Brooklyn. Uh, anyway, uh, should we move on? Uh, we'll move on to the Premier League. And Dave, we might as well start with you because Manchester United Lawrence, are playing. There's no point. Manch- we might as well not what, talk Dave? about it. I mean, Dave, you, you and I, you and I had a little chat on the way um, to play five aside earlier. Um, well, it's quite interesting that chat, actually. Uh, yeah. And we were talking about the way that people seem to spin. Actually, actually it wasn't on there. Mm. It was on the way to meeting, wasn't it? Um, it? It was how people seem to spin uh, whatever it is that someone's trying to do. And actually, it, it's fine what Mourinho is doing. I, or is, I think it is in the first season if Manchester United win the Europa League, and it's a big if. If they don't win the Europa League, then the season will be classed as a failure, um, because Mourinho has kind of put all of his eggs in, in one basket in the you know the back end of the season. But again, what we were talking about was the you know the the lack of analysis really on Manchester United at the moment. Like it was too easy for Graham Sooners, especially on Sky Sports, to just say, "Oh, it's it's simple." You know, Man United have spent all this money and they're playing two in Xavier and Maron Flaney in central midfield. Maron Fellaini isn't a central midfielder. You want control in the game. He completed more passes than any of the United player. That's a big no-no. That's a big something. You, you know, that's a massive glaring issue in Man United statistics. If Fellaini is the top passer, but having someone like Tuinzebi, who's a centre back by trade, um, you know, arguably would have more time on the ball if um, you know he's playing forward from the back and so forth. So the midfield pairing was pretty bad, but it was just that sort of 
you know, all they've, you know, it's kind of going down the line now that because United have spent all this money, that their analysis is now quite poor and the production was quite poor. You know, Sky Sports, why are they focusing on this game? Why are they not looking like, okay, United are not focusing on this. They're going to go to the Europa League final. How have they done this season? You know, there was a lot that they could have spoke about about Manchester United. It feels like the analysis was just cut short, cut simple and sort of, yeah. Saw Jamie Redknapp look at his watch a few times. Like, oh, you know, got to go home now. And it's like, come on, you're in a pretty privileged position there. I mean, do, do you also not think? I mean, I, I see your point there, Dave. Do you also think you you know this this was a pre-agreed uh, schedule? People have thought that United would have been in the mix for something in the league, or that Mourinho would not have given up there. Um, yeah, I think people maybe resent Mourinho a little bit at this point for mm. what he seems to have done. It's in weird. The it's sort of like the, you can feel the it's a little bit of a turning point at the moment for Manchester United, where you can kind of feel some fans that previously you know, called the heads for other managers that sort of start first and they start these murmurings and it's it's kind of like really negative about the club. Like this, you know, playing away in big games and playing a, you know, a back six as we call it. Why are we looking down on that? The best, some of the best teams in Europe, the Juventus do that. Like, why are we looking down on that? We need to be more positive about what we're doing in these bigger games. Yeah, Mourinho needs to potentially throw another striker up there, give them something on the counter-attack, but it's the right strategy. They're going the right way. If they're going to play pragmatic football, they're going the right way of doing that. But it's just this really weird underlying United fans slash the whole of football Twitter wants United to fail because they've spent so much money on Paul Pogba. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it is also, Dave, you could you could take the opposite of that and say they have spent a lot of money. You'd argue that if they had have spent that money well, then they'd have a squad they could flesh out properly. Lawrence? And at the same... Uh, what's their <laughs> next spend? I think it's going to be a fairly heavy net spend, oh, yeah, we'll put it that way, compared to a few of other, other sides. Um, and then at the same time, uh, surely people speak about the United way. They also sort of have certain expectations of a high-end tactical manager. And maybe if he's, maybe even more so, if he is going to, um, if Mourinho is going to uh, play a second string, which arguably Twins, Aby and Fellaini are, then you'd at least want them to maybe play an attractive style of football or try and play that style of football. I think football. it's kind of the counter of that. Like, if they're not going to play the first team, why are they not playing someone like um, um, Scott McTominay or, you know, looking at someone like Mitchell, um, who's been very good for the under-23s? It's it's a real weird one that the rotation that Mourinho did kind of like played Maran Fellaini that could be playing in the Europa League final. The back four could have been the Europa League final, back four mi- minus, of course, Eric Bay. Um, it just seems a bit weird. Like, I don't like surely because the game means nothing. United are sitting in sixth position. They can't move up. They can't move down. Why not? Like go okay, right today, lads, we're going to play a three-four-three. Today we're going to play a four-four-two diamond. Today we're going to bring the youngsters in. Today we're going to see what this lad can do here. That lad can do there. It just seems like there's a period of exper- you know experimentation right now. United kind of need that. They need to work on their attacking um, tactics and, and how they break teams down. Obviously, we've seen the 15 draws in the Premier League. You know, it's a, a record since Ferguson. Obviously. And it seems like a interesting place United could be, but they are not playing well at all and they're not trying anything, which is a bit peculiar. It does feel a little bit unusual. Um, uh, let's go to the games which actually have some sort of bearing on the league at this point. And really, there are only two of those. Kristen, uh, first, I mean, uh, Chris, I, I just quick question for you about Manchester United. Uh, technically, these, like Dave says, these game, this game doesn't really matter, but it is sort of going against what uh, the Premier League set out to achieve, which is obviously to keep the, the league as competitive for as long as they could, and also uh, to field the strongest squads 
do you think this is going to be looked into or should be looked into, even considering that Mourinho at one point literally said, I hope Big Sam goes easy on us? No, no, I don't think it, it should be looked into. I think if you look at the Premier League's recent history, there's been a variety of clubs at different levels of the table do this kind of thing. Um, Ian Holloway with Blackpool is a good example. Nick McCarthy with Wolves, who essentially tried to game-manage situations and, and chose certain fixtures as a priority and others that weren't. The, the thing is, I, I think if you're going to allow... And essentially, I'm mirroring a, a, a point that uh, Holloway made at the time. If you're going to give these coaches a 25-man squad, you have to allow them to use said 25-man squad in whichever way they want. And I think the second you start to but, deal but, with but that, at the same, it's, it's uh, disruptive. Um, I, think, I think it's disingenuous towards guess, the coaches themselves. Could you also make a bit of an argument? You could definitely make an argument against that. And you could also say that Mourinho has also acknowledged that he doesn't feel that he has a strong enough squad. And then, I mean, uh, then the arguments come the other way where someone says, well, you, there has been a lot of money spent here. And, you know, I mean, every t- Twitter account has made the point that they bought the player of the season who's been injured. I know a lot, McTyrion. Uh, you know, they bought Zlatan in and they bought in Paul Pogba. You know, those are three fairly marquee signings and they find themselves finishing lower in the table. Although, I mean, you know, I made the point to David. I mean, I'm only making the point because, it, you know, it, it does sound also a little bit stupid. But, you know, if, if, they, if United go on and win the league next season or at least compete for it, then Mourinho is the one who had the long-term vision, right? I, I think so. I just, I just think that it's one of those things where I can firmly see both sides of it in terms of maintaining competitions, integrity and, and, all, and all of that side of it. But I also think, again, you have to give coaches as much freedom as possible if they wish to but 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 this is this is also Mourinho I mean Chris Mourinho is also flexing in a way isn't he a little bit he's flexing his muscle is he flex he's flexing his muscle on the Premier League a little a little bit but then I think he's he's always been that attack dog in in so much as, as pushing boundaries and going going against referees and not every one of his attacks has been the most subtle and and I would say even not all of his attacks have seemed to have rhyme or reason behind them. I, th- I think in this one specifically, there is a little bit of a a point though, in, in so much as that squad are all deemed Premier League players. The 11 that he chooses or selection that he chooses, I don't think it's fair for mm. a, a body, a government body or, or a league, whichever word's the correct one here, to then stand over it and say, no, no, this player is better than that player, so you should never play that player. Because you could use that argument and say, well... But when a coach has said it himself, then you do get into uh, you get into a bit of a weird area because the coach has clearly said, well, I don't feel this player is um, the strongest player in this position that I could play. Yeah, and, and that's that's a fair point. He, he could easily spin around and say, well, I'm giving him a chance to show me that he is. And that's, that's the thing, I, I think... Because well, it's, yeah. But then Mourinho did not say that. And Mourinho did say the opposite. That's the only difference for me yeah. here is that he's not said that, and he has come out and said the and, and he has come out and sort of indicated the other way. That's that's the problem is that um, there is such a grey area with this, and also I think there is such interpretation and ambiguity in the same time. At the same time, that means you really can't nail it down in in so much as say well it's clearly this or it's clearly that 
Yeah. Uh, Nico, let, let's talk a little bit about the weekend's fixtures then. Um, first of all, uh, let's talk about Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal earlier in the week took uh, until the 70, the minutes of the 70, I think it was the 71st minute that they broke down uh, the, <laughs> a side that's been relegated this season. Uh, but it, they got enough of a goal and then um, they got enough uh, goals and enough of a good performance to get over the line. And it put them to within touching distance of Liverpool. I can't work out who's had a bad season now. Between who? Well, Liverpool or Arsenal? I think um, both. No, I don't think the you know people are projecting that Liverpool have have not achieved as they should, and maybe people are, have always predicted that Arsenal uh, have not as achieved as they as they should, especially this season either. But um, I don't necessarily think, looking at the players that they have and looking at the competitions that they participated in, that they've both of them have, have done that bad, but at the same time, you know, that result puts the pressure on Liverpool. It's just a matter of whether you think that they can do it on the final day. Yeah, Klopp uh, famously himself now saying it's not a cup final. I mean, it would be in his interest for it not but to it be a cup is. final, considering some I mean, of it's his... a huge game. It's uh, a game of massive implications. No, for well, no, because... Uh, yeah, but they're also playing against a side who are not playing for a cup. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's not literally. No, no, no. Obviously, uh, it's, you not know, it's not. It's not like it's a play. It's not an actual. But you playoff. and I have discussed this many, yeah, many times, and I think, and I know, you know, you you have said that the club would be massively off target if they didn't achieve Champions League football for next summer. Not only because of the player recruitment that they wouldn't be able to to achieve, you know, bringing players in. I understand Klopp's part of the sell. Philippe Coutinho is part of the cell, Mane is part of the cell, being being part of this side and, and playing the way that they can and, and maybe the potential for palpable success is there. But at the same time, without a whole year of mm, even having that possibility in a cup of competition, which I think is something that Jurgen Klopp could excel in, you know, that's a massive step backwards. And then who's to say that they will qualify the year, the, the you know, the next year? I mean, the, the likelihood looks like it would diminish uh, to, to be less if that was the case. Uh, however, Liverpool uh, have a, a game where you'd say, uh, obviously against a side who look fairly hopeless now this season. In ter- uh, I don't mean in terms of players, I mean in terms of uh, what's been going on at the club. Will this be a sort of a final punch before they go down though? I mean, can you see that coming from Middlesbrough? If Middlesbrough are to... Uh, go up against the onslaught that's going to be Liverpool. You know, Liverpool, the problem for them is they, they almost wanted to play someone like, you know, a, a, city. A, a Spurs or someone like that yeah. or a City or someone like that on the last day of the season just to sort of have an open game. But this Yeah, will not I think be uh, for as much as the scoreline may be represented to certain people against West Ham, West Ham were pretty decent before the second goal went in. I mean, they kind of lost it after that, obviously, and the scoreline is a reflection of that. But at the same time, Liverpool still have massive problems in the final third, I think, and had it not been for West Ham completely playing into their hands in terms of from, from a tactical perspective, I think Liverpool wouldn't have seen the same success, even with the change in formation. And as as bad as Borough have been this season, they still have plenty of players that have things to prove, maybe put themselves in a shop window for a club in the Premier League or maybe outside of that. And I don't think any self-respecting player would just want to show up and just lose 6-0. They they have something to play for whether it be palpable or not, you know? And and I actually think that this is a game that Liverpool could either lose or draw. Uh, not win. 
they have every potential to win it. They have the players on 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 the team sheet to to more than you know blow out this Middlesbrough team. But at the same time, tactically, as I've said to you about a million times, I don't think I think Klopp's hitting a ceiling. He doesn't really know what to do. The four four two diamond is fine and great, but the the thing that the thing that really opened up space for uh, for them in the West Ham game was was West Ham coming back to their goalkeeper and trying to press them out the back. So. As as good as the scoreline seemed, it's a it's a result that's not necessarily reflective of them moving on as a side. They still have massive positioning issues in the final third. I don't think I think there's an over reliance on, on continue to some extent, and I just I, I think this is a real threat. It's not a game that's going to be put to bed very easily. I do find it unusual how much uh, Liverpool possessionally rely on Coutinho, but especially considering they do have other players who before were bought to be good on the ball, etc., etc. Um, and how many players before they came to Liverpool looked confident in possession and were able to move the ball well and all these kind of things, um, and then don't seem to have that same penetration or sort of forward-thinking ideas and weirdly sort of look towards Coutinho very often. Uh, Arsenal, on the other hand, are obviously at home to Everton. Uh, now there is an iteration of this. Uh, let's just cover it really quickly. If Arsenal win, sorry, if Arsenal draw one-one and Liverpool lose two-nil to Middlesbrough, then there will be a playoff. Excitingly, uh, there's a long odds apparently for that, uh, but it could happen. Uh, Chris, the, obviously uh, looking at this one, Arsenal. Uh, they're peaking at just the right time. You got to give it to them there. I mean, Ozil and uh, Sanchez could drag them over the line here. They could. Um, I just find the similarity between Arsenal seasons frightening in terms of the pattern that they they tread. And it has, at least for the last few years, always climaxed with a very strong finish in the league. Um, it's it's something that maybe is mentality. There are you know there are possibly other issues in there as well. I just think that what it also does, and I. Imagine that some Arsenal fans will agree with me on this. It masks the issues a little bit because, in 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 certain ways, I think the last game of the season it it almost dictates the feeling you have in the first few weeks and months of the summer. So if you win and and all that, you go, you know what, that's that's great. It kind of keeps the positivity to a certain level, and I think that strong finish leaves Arsenal fans thinking, okay, that's something to build on next year we can potentially go higher. It seems like they finally got themselves together and next year we kick on. And unfortunately, in, instead of being on a roller coaster, I think they're more, uh, I forgot, what you, on a carousel. Which is, uh, which one's more exciting, Chris? Which one, um, which one would you rather be on? I'd rather be on a roller coaster shoot. I think every fan wants that really, don't they? I mean, you look at Leicester fans as being the, the perfect of, the perfect example um, of that because you know they won the Premier League and then I mean yeah. I'm not saying they got relegated. I mean I guess but, you can remain on a roller coaster too long. Yeah, you can remain on a roller coaster too long, can't you? You like a bit. You want to explore the whole park. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you like the carousel, but sometimes you just want to sit and watch the other people be sick on the roller coaster. I think, <laughs> I think going back to football, I think as personally as a fan, I like to see development year on year. Like to see growth of players, like growth of the team, uh, you know, a change of the team and evolution of the team. Um, then you'll enjoy Spurs, yeah, do you? Yeah, 100%. 6-1. 6-1. Uh, they got the result against Leicester City. Uh, I mean, hey, Chris, you said they're on a roller coaster. Uh, 
this roller coaster. I think some of these Leicester fans want to get off. Uh, anyway, they they managed to stay up. But uh, it, the, Dave, what is interesting in this one is obviously Spurs have achieved second now, and yet they went pedal to the metal in this one, and Harry Kane got four goals. Absolutely crazy, you know. Putting put himself, I think he's now top scorer in the Premier League. Um, the fifth player to score, uh, the fifth different player, sorry, to score um, three plus hat tricks in a single Premier League season. Um, he scored as many Premier League hat tricks as Ronaldo, Bergkamp, Zola, Diego Costa, and Cantona combined. But of course, he scored four times, which is pretty incredible. And they were all without their main creator and chief, Christian Eriksen, um, who's this season's been fantastic. The only player to create over a hundred chances in the last two seasons. In terms of the really interesting stat that's come up today, is that Christian Eriksen's covered the highest average distance per game which is pretty incredible for a you know a playmaker that that is interesting you know is perceived not to put a shift in but today it was interesting they went with a, a 3-4-3 they went with Suzoko at right wing back which potentially could be the complete fit for for Suzoko if you think about his strengths very powerful very good when running with the ball at his feet is athletic can get forward and defend is right wing back the perfect position for him Chris that's probably a question for you is 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 right wing back for for who? Sorry, I missed that. Sizoko. No, because I don't. Wow. I don't think he's got the. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Intelligence. Kind of, kind of the the energy for it in in terms of he's actually quite lazy. Um, I actually think he's put a little bit of weight on since he got to Spurs. He's looking a little bit thicker, and in in general, I've, I've just. The, the problem I have with him at the minute is I think realistically ignore his transfer fee completely because that's just what it is. You're not going to change that now. He's got uses in very set systems. So one of the ways, one of the the reasons, excuse me, that that Didier Deschamps consistently picks him is because he's reliable in terms of he knows what he's going to get with Sissoko. And for me, I think if you can put him at right wing in a team that's going to get counter-attacking opportunities and is going to try and, and suck a punch its opponent, he's really great at that. And I look at some of the goals or, or the best moments he had at Newcastle, it was usually with the other team quite high up the pitch. It was very rare that I saw him break through a team or something like that um, because he's just, yeah, he's not that way inclined. Even even his debut, actually, was it his debut? I don't think it was. No, I think it might have been his first start against Chelsea where he scored twice and, and essentially ran the show. All of his best moments, to my mind, were on the counter-attack. It was catching Ashley Cole in a foot race high up the field and beating him. Scoring the goals was following up on a counter-attack. And then his winner, if I remember right, was a counter-attack as well. So he's got very set uses that he's very good at. He's just not flexible enough for, I think, a, a team like Tottenham or a team in the top six that, that needs that from their players. Yeah, Although saying that, actually, you've just reminded me, Dave makes a, a, a good point. Rafa Benitez did play him as a left-back, bizarrely. <laughs> a left-back? <laughs> Interesting. I, I think Benitez sometimes uh, punishes, as he calls them, wankers, uh, by playing them out of position consistently. Steven Gerrard, of course, consistently being played on the right wing season upon season at Liverpool. It only happened for one season, and he wasn't a wanker for that long, apparently. Uh Anyway, uh, I I think that was a joke. I think that was a joke. Uh, Anyway, let's move on. There are—is there anything else that can actually happen in the Premier League? Not really. I mean, the 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 sides that are going down are pretty much decided at this point. I mean, it is it it is uh, it's done basically, isn't it? It's over. 
it's over. Uh, and of course, Manchester United can't can't really go up. Uh, when I say can't really, they can't. Um, and uh, Spurs can't go down. Man City are not going to get dragged into that. Um, and of course, Walt, Watford don't even have Matt Zari anymore. Um, yeah, what happened there, eh? Apparently he said that the club didn't take on his winning mentality. I think he's a coach that, um, <laughs> that as, as good as he is maybe tactically, doesn't, uh, isn't really going to do a, a whole lot of good things outside of Italy because of his, um, I don't know. Didn't he do a whole lot of good things this season? I, I thought he did some decent things, but I, once again, I think it was um, he, he's still relying heavily on a translator. Even in uh, training sessions, he kind of refuses to learn the language. But at the same time, I, I think that's partially down to him realizing that um, the the owners of Watford, yeah, the owners of Watford, they, regardless of whether I, I don't think there was a whole lot of reasons to move on from Kike Sanchez Flores, and yet they were more than happy to move on for him and they they seem to think that changing changing the managers is something that they need to do season to season so maybe it's not entirely his fault can we get past this weird brexit like rhetoric about it's a disgrace that he didn't learn the language i think it was john cross that said he's disgraced to the league it's it's i do think it's a little bit i do but he should like he's not gonna build he's not gonna build a a repertoire with his players by not at least adapting somewhat to the culture. Like you have to, but you're, like pres- you have but you're to. presuming he's not speaking English period. There's every chance like Pochettino is doing it on the training field, which I can firmly believe someone like, like Matsari is. The thing is when you explain football concepts, and I say this as someone whose native language is English, it's difficult to begin with, let alone in, in a language that you're not even fluent in. Add into the mix that, a misspoken word, a word that could be interpreted a lot of different ways that might be simple to someone trying to learn the language, can then be spun in a variety of different ways. Why not speak through someone who speaks both fluently and perhaps even grew up in a house that had both languages being spoken? I just think it's it's ridiculous to to single out that when Watford, Mazzari and the way the team's played at times this season has been a much bigger issue than Oh, he's not speaking English on match of the day. What a disgrace he is! Genuinely said, a disgrace. Yeah, I mean, I, I give over. I mean, I, I think Nico's making a slightly different point to uh, John Cross, who, let's be very clear, Rafa Benitez would play out a position week after week. Um, but you know, the, the point is that actually Watford have reached forty points this season. I do think that. Um, uh, Nico's not an inherently xenophobic person. He, he does come across that way sometimes. Um, <laughs> the, the, the issue, the issue is, I mean, Nico is speaking from uh, another a different Trump perspective, camp. maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Nico, Nico will build a wall if he could. I would not. Um, I also, you don't need a wall in Orlando. You just. Um, the point is also though that they have actually played some quite nice football this season. Um, you know, I know there's been a, a dip for Watford, uh, but when he first came over, I think a lot of people um, also sort of thought he was always going to be uh, fighting an uphill battle because of what was going on at Watford. You also got to admit, I mean, uh, there are going to be a lot of players there that might have a similar approach to him, which is, well, am I even going to be here next season? Uh, you know, if we hit 40 points and the club stay up, then they've pretty much done what they need to do this well, season. Um, it, what I what I will say, I don't I don't I don't disagree with what Chris is saying. I I, I don't want to come across as someone that's saying, oh, you know, he's a disgrace to the league by not learning the language. But at the same time, I, I think um, I see your point. I mean, it's, it's I mean, if you look at if you look at different managers, like I understand maybe you know what maybe he is trying to learn the language or maybe he tried, but like from 
the people that I've heard like on the Guardian podcast and stuff like that, like they they said that you know, he's he hasn't tried, he hasn't done much to do that. And um, like if you look at someone like Pep Guardiola, he's learned the language to every league that he's got. He knows like six Frodo, different languages. <laughs> so he knows German, he knows Spanish, he knows English. He's he's tried to learn a multitude of languages so as to best translate his philosophy to his players because he realizes that that's probably the most important thing to do. And maybe that's why he's- I think he's on he's on he's on the road to Damascus though, and uh, you know uh, it's it's fair to say that Matsari is not and was not employed as that manager. Do you know what I mean? I mean I imagine when they said uh, you know it, 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 there's a, there are shades of sort of uh, get rid of the translator. Uh, give me another, give, give me a reassurance I'll be here next season. Keep the translator. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get that. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, at the same time, it's very clear that he managed to get a lot, uh, across enough ideas that they got to 40 points. And there are some managers in the league that didn't manage to get enough ideas. I can read them out if you want. Um, one, two, uh, and a fair few of those spoke pretty good English. Um, apart from David Moyes, of course. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, th- that's the Premier League done for this season. We'll do the season review uh, after the Champions League, because then things will have will be would have been able to mould stuff over. Uh, but join in, join us for that next week. Now, Dave, before we get into the questions for this week, um, should we talk very quickly? You read an interesting article on the Independent mm. that said Sky Sports reports and Sky Bets reacts mm. the unsettling tale. Of James Rodriguez, James Rodriguez, uh, non-move to Manchester United, and it was basically the idea of betting and how uh, reporting can change betting patterns and make people uh, maybe uh, unnecessarily gamble their it's money. It's a real interesting one. I think it's a market that potentially, if you do have a sister um, company like Sky Sports, kind of do with Skybet, they own twenty percent of Skybet. It's a little bit dodgy. Um, you know, we've heard since the news that Hammers Rodriguez was offered to Manchester United, there's other reports that they're not Man United aren't um, interested at all in the Colombian. But the odds that would get you were getting uh, on Skybet, you're getting three to one, and then they froze the market, they suspended the market, like like the deal was done. Um, and it's quite an interesting one. Is do you think it's right? Is the big question. You know, I I think it's a bit dodgy, and surely something, you know, somebody in the gambling commission needs to take a real hard look at it to see. Um, what's going on because uh, you know the article goes on to say uh, to talk about when Ozil was linked to Manchester United and someone tweeted them saying oi at Sky Sports News how much money did at Skybet make after you reported Man United wanted Meza Ozil and it, it's a real interesting one um, is there a com- real conflict of interest there? Uh, I mean I, I agree I mean it, there is a it, it seems like a fairly open and shut case to me really um, but then betting does always, to me, it does always seem there are elements of racketeering in uh, a lot of elements of betting, surely. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think pushing markets and, and doing some some naughty stuff with the prices does happen um, to the average Joe. I think that's the problem. It's the average punter that's going to get done here. It's not, you know, it's not going to be a shark in the gambling market. It's not going to be like your 10% that will make profit on from bets and whatever it's, it's your standard standard guy that kind of needs a bit of protection. I think it's a little bit immoral um, for there to be that sort of duality in a market like transfers. I don't mind like bet, you know, football scores, whatever, you know, things that have um, an outcome uh, that's kind of like more true or false, more one or two. 
Um, but this is more like speculation and creating a market based on speculation. Like, who the hell sets the odds? Who says it's three to one? It's kind of like transfer marks used to do this, like, this yeah. really funny transfer percentage. They used to have a great, you know, good laugh about. They were like saying, oh, this is like a 25% chance this is going to happen. It just seemed like, how the hell do you come up with that number? And like, again, there's a market that's created that somebody's pricing that. Who the hell prices that? Mental. The scorecroft office back in the day must have been a yeah, half a minute. Tell you what, Lawrence, um, uh, well, yeah. Oh, you'll never guess what odds they put on. All about the numbers, uh, banters, mate. That's why we've never fit in. I, I, I mean, it's, it's no, I actually wouldn't. Um, it's also the, uh, it's the same I find with uh, there's Forza fan app, which obviously I find interesting. But I've over the past week been able to vote on whether I have confidence in the manager of uh, Real Madrid, um, the chairman of Real Madrid um, and all the other things. So let me, if I go to the Spurs game right now, I can vote to, uh, first of all, I could have voted as to who will win the game. Um, and uh, apparently 7,000 people said that Spurs would win the game. Uh, but I can vote on whether I have confidence in the players, uh, whether I have confidence in the manager and whether I have confidence in the board. Um I don't know what that means, but it, 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 I always find those kind of things where I can express an opinion on something I don't really know about or care about. Uh, pretty funny. Anyway, uh, let's move on to your questions. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My first question is, Chris, how is it to be in the States? It's good. It's good to have had a good night's rest and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm happy. Dave, this first one's an interesting one for you. Uh, will Kane win the golden boot again? I think so, yeah. Well, he's in pole position now, right? Um, I think he's shown... Yeah, I think he's... Oh, the you mean the golden boot? The European golden boot? Uh, or do they mean the Premier League? It was just Mateus who said, will Kane win... He he did say, will, will Kane win he golden boot again? Um, but I mean, you know... Interpret the Premier League, right. yes. But in Europe, Lionel Messi is top uh, with 70 points at the moment, 35 goals in... Uh, La Liga. Bastos is in second position with 31 goals in the Portuguese league. Again, they get the the two pa- the two factor multiplier. Lewandowski, Bemiang, Kane is quite down the list. Um, in fact, it probably hasn't been updated till tonight. Obviously, now he scored another four goals. So he's on 26 goals, so he would jump up to around eighth position. Um, but no, not the European Golden Boot. But yes, I think he'll be the top scorer in the Premier League. Uh, someone else has been tweeting about Manchester United's debt. Uh, the debt is down to 20 million a season. 
says Martial Arts uh, about Manchester United. Having it isn't good, but it's holding us back. Um, Dave, any uh, opinions on Manchester United's debt? Well, you go from a club that was the most profitable club in the world, that was one of the, you know, since the Premier League came in, the, the best run. Um, Dave Vigil did a cracking job in terms of money side of it. Then obviously the Glazers coming in and dropping a load of debt on the club is is terrible. You know, it's, it should never have been allowed um, to purchase something like that. Was is pretty ridiculous. And considering how much money we're still paying for the, you know, the debt every single year, it's it's a bit of a joke and something. You know, the Premier League needs to be stronger in future um, for stopping this type of thing to happen. But you know, with the Chinese money going into Birmingham, it's a really interesting thing. Have you seen that? That a lot of Chinese money that's going into Aston Villa, Birmingham. I think West Brom might be owned. Wolves are owned by Chinese investment. AC Milan now. AC Milan into Milan. It's just you know, it's, we need to get a bit of a hold on it. But yeah, the debt is the debt. It's reducing, but the debt should never have been there. Unfortunately, it was so. I mean, I'm fairly sceptical of uh, some of the Chinese money coming into the game. I'm fairly sceptical of any money uh, that's coming into the game, to be, to be quite honest with you. But um, allegedly, there are doubts over whether, um, I think his name's Lee. I, I'm just going to call him Lee, um, who owns Milan, can actually afford to finance the club in the way that the club want to be financed. Um, yeah. So, so that be... was he, apparently this, he's signed a deal where he's supposed to pay something like 150 million euros a season, and apparently he's borrowed 300 million euros from an American hedge fund to pay for the first two instalments. Which is like, wait a minute, he just said that he's going to buy the club for X amount of money. Why? Like, surely he should have that cash, or he should have the assets to. I think that's the problem. It's 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 trading on assets, so there's no cash involved in a way. They're borrowing on assets. It just seems like a really weird, you know, it's sort of the world we live in, I suppose. I don't want to complain well, about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't quite that. understand how, uh, you know, assets work. Um, but, I mean, you know, if they, why would you go to Milan at this point? Um, it's a shame, you know, I, I used to be a huge AC Milan fan. Um, what would be best for Inacho and uh, what would be best for Zabaleta? It's as simple as that. Nico, Ollie asked that question. N- Nico? Sorry, you just get out there. What, what Sorry, the yeah, what would be best for Inacho and what would be best for Zabaleta? Um, I think Inacho probably needs to move on. I don't think he necessarily fits into uh, Pep Guardiola's plans. Um, and he would probably fit in really well at Everton. Um, because he's sort of similar to the likes of Lukaku, and if he's going to move on this summer, then they need a new striker or a new man to build their team around anyways. Um, and then I think Zabaleta should retire, honestly. Um, he, he's getting quite up there in age, and, and that shows in his play. I don't think he, unless he would be a, like a backup right back or uh, at somewhere um, in, in the Premier League. Maybe. I just don't think he, he can, you know, the, the, the role of uh, fullbacks in the modern game is so demanding that I don't think he could ref- he could fulfill a, a starting role um, consistently to the level that maybe his his purchasers would be used to, or at least could could see him um, in the past few years. So I, I think retirement would probably be the best thing, and I don't want to see him play for another another side. Really, you know, he's a he's a Manchester City legend, so I want him to stay that way. Will the first world record transfer fee be broken again this summer? If so, by who? And for what player? Uh, it's, it's sort of difficult. It's difficult to see anyone spending more money than was spent on Paul Pogba last season, wasn't it, Chris? I mean, 
there are a few people who, who've got the potential to move, I suppose. I mean, you know, you could see Antoine Griezmann moving. You could see uh, Donnarumma moving from AC Milan if uh, if the right deal comes along. But he's allegedly worth £120 million as a goalkeeper. You can't really see any side spending that. I would say Mbappe. You, you'd spend more than Paul Pogba on £89 million for Mbappe. Uh, if if you were forcing me, if you then yeah, I would. What would you what would you spend? For, what what kind of money would you be willing to spend on that sort of um, luxury? So like upwards of a hundred, maybe like hundred and ten or something. Good God, hundred pounds. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's this is the thing. People talk about the Paul Pogba deal, and and they try and uh, quantify it in value and say, well, you know, he's. Silly things like, you know, James Miller got more assists or, or such and such. I don't know if he actually did. I'm just giving an example of the stuff Brilliant. that I've seen tweeted this season. The, the point is with someone like Pogba, you're not necessarily buying someone based solely off goals and assists. Saying that What you're actually buying is a role player. So you're buying someone that has a certain skill set that you believe you need in your team. Now, whether they turn out to fulfill that and is, is entirely up for debate. But I think people sometimes misinterpret spending, in this case, $89 million for Pogba as, oh, they think they're buying the best player in the world or they have valued him as the best player in the world. No, I don't think they have. I think they looked at it and said, this is the kind of player we would like in our midfield. How many players fit that brief firstly? And who is the best of those players? And I think that's what they did with Paul Pogba. And would I have paid that same fee? I don't think I would have. But okay. then again, I wasn't in Man United's position. Uh, you do not have £89 million, you're right. Um, Luke Dorr says, when will my Ferrero Rocher arrive? Uh, Adam's not here. Uh, if you could bring any historical figure in the 20, into the 21st century, who would it be? Uh, Ch- Charlie Chaplin. I just John love- Gaunt of TalkSport. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Little John. <laughs> Darren Goff. UK Independence Party. Yeah. <laughs> um, Theresa May. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone just else? Just cut out the ones you don't think very good and just go for the best one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, the true George. No. Um, It'd be pretty fun to, to talk to Alexander the Great. Uh, in a football sense or just in general? No, 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 not in a football sense. In general, right. I think he conquered most of the known world at that point in time in his life. And for lifespans to be sh- so short at the time, it was just, it's just like an interesting person to talk to. Like he literally conquered most of the world at that point. It's just, it would be interesting. And just such a good second name as well. The great. Yeah. I'd love to have a, a, a one like that in my lifetime. So imagine if your name was sort of, you know, Nico the great. Imagine we can we can we can dream. I guess right. Between you and I, I'm sure we could cook up some sort of name. Um, Dave, who would you bring into the 21st century? Um, I really don't know. Like some sort of um, someone you know, like a. My brain's gone, guys. It's over. Nobody. I don't care. Brilliant. Uh, I bring Bill Shankly. <laughs> Um, if it's a footballing figure, I'm sh- I'm pretty sure Dave could go down the route of um, uh, Steve Malbronk. Uh, pretty sure, yeah. I mean, you could go down the route of George Best, maybe. Oh yeah, Georgie Best. There's loads of managers in there from back in the day. 
Uh, Hector Herrera would be a good one. That'd be fun. Basically, the first Mourinho. Yes. Uh, I mean, Chris, football-wise, maybe a David Ginola? Um... Trying to think. I mean, you really sport for Charles Ramsey would be fun, I think, just to see, just to know, see, yeah. just to see what you do with Stoke. Well, he he's obviously associated with England's greatest hour, so seeing how that translates to the modern game would be quite interesting. Would be interesting to see what mentality he instilled in the England squad, wouldn't it? Definitely. The problem is all the all the good ones have died out really haven't they you know we got there are a lot of people from that generate not from that generation uh but f- sort of from the older generation who've lasted uh but all the good ones who maybe you would want to bring back a good uh, jim davidson um it, that's a joke uh will universe seven win the tournament of power I'm not quite sure is that was that a sentence? I don't. I know what those words mean individually, but will Universe Seven win? Well, yeah. I mean, that is how a sentence is formed. Will Universe Seven win the Tournament of Power? <laughs> I've got to admit, if I was if I was <laughs> naming a new tournament, I might now be tempted to call it the Tournament of Power. No reaction. Uh, how do you think video referees will be implemented in the Premier League, Dave? It's going to take time. I think. I think the the first one that we've we have not even mentioned actually the diving thing that we yeah, spoke you about. On best the, impressed with it, though. Were you? No, I think that's a real. I feel like if you're going back to look at previous games and doing retrospective bands, I understand if it's like violent conduct or you know something that's a bit nasty that you want to pick up on. But diving, surely that goes down to the official that's refereeing the game, and surely now we're undermining the referee, the two linesmen, and the fourth official. I don't know. Yeah, what He's not gonna. He, he might not catch it all. And if we want to eliminate diving out of the game completely, that's fine. Leave it but for for the cameras out of the uh, after the game, and and then find don't ban players or unless it's like or maybe don't ban players for diving, but just hit them where it counts. You know, monetary monetary fines and stuff like that for for blatant diving or, or things that we can perceive as diving. That would completely eradicate diving out of the game because. Players don't want to pay fines. It's as simple but as that. On the flip side of that, we saw Coutinho get hacked in the box a few weeks ago and it was 100% a penalty and Liverpool didn't get a penalty because he stayed on his feet. Because he was being perceived to be more manly or he's perceived to not dive. I'm not sure he I did it because know. he was perceived. I think Coutinho also sort of saw that he was in a great position to put it in the net and then just did not finish. Poor lad. I know, right? Uh, while we are speaking about the Liverpool team, uh, anyone else seen the new Nivea ad? No, I have not. Definitely worth um, looking at. Uh, no joke, it involves a dinosaur's foot and squashing James Milner. James Milner crushed by monster in bizarre Liverpool Nivea advert with yeah. Stephen Gerrard. Uh, Chris, have you seen this one? I haven't. Right. Okay. Well, uh, it also involves uh, Nathaniel Klein rubbing his body, uh, James Milner spraying uh, whatever uh, under his arms, uh, Femina rubbing his face, and James Milner apparently appreciating his look in his rearview mirror. It's a weird advert. I'll give you that. Uh, be very interested to hear what people think of it out there. Uh, just let us know. Anyway, uh, let. 
let's make a deal. Uh, Have United had a better season than the likes of Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal and Man City if they win the Europa League? Dave, yes or no? Yes, if they win the Europa League. Good God. Uh, Does uh, James Rodriguez suit Manchester United or is it an unnecessary signing? Depends what they want to do with the side, I think. I think uh, if they want a number 10 that has got Rodriguez's qualities, more of an attacking midfielder than someone like a second striker like Griezmann, or do they want a playmaker? It's just like this team needs an identity in the final third at the moment. It just it has inconsistencies. But then well. how, do you, how do you fit that in with Mkhitaryan as well and all these other players? When you want to play more, I guess if you're, if you're calling it pragmatic, that's fine. But if you want to really be honest, it's defensive football. So how does he fit in? <laughs> Nico, there's nothing wrong with defensive football. Tony Pulis is one. There's nothing wrong with defensive football, but there is a problem. There is a problem with people consistently calling, "Oh, well, this manager is a defensive manager, therefore he's pragmatic." Pragmatic isn't defined by defensive; it's defined. I think Mourinho is pragmatic. I think way to win. He's not pragmatic at all. He's a manager that counteracts through his whole career. He's counteracted his opposition's strength. No, he's a defensive manager. In order to in order to win games of football, (laughs) he's Um, a defensive. But but in terms of your question about where does he fit these players in, what he's shown this season that's really weird is he's not trusted any of his attacking midfielders. I don't think any of them have played over one thousand. That's so pragmatic of him. Five hundred minutes, which is quite uh, an interesting one. Dave, Um, do you think he has three envelopes with names that are going to disappoint him at the end of the season? He does, hopefully. Paul Pogba is not one of those. Do you, I mean, Dave, Dave, do you really think it's down to trust, or do you think it's literally just that he doesn't favour that way of playing? I think it's trust. I think that you saw like his previous clubs, the attackers used to play every single week, and I think with attackers, you need to play them frequently. They need to be the guy that that they, to get that momentum and to get that sort of creativity flowing. They need to have a run of games, and considering like you know, you're looking at Anthony Martial's. He's just played it. He's the only one that's been over the 1,500 minutes. Mkhitaryan, 1,348 minutes. Jess Lingard, 1,318 minutes. It's just one of these things where like, it just seems a bit weird where these players aren't really getting the game time. Also, if you compare his number of minutes, James Rodriguez, with the United wingers, it's quite similar. But James Rodriguez's numbers are like 20 times better. So it's just this weird... I just don't know what Mourinho's been doing with the likes of Anthony Martial this season. Marcus Rashford, he's got it spot on. Marcus Rashford, he's managed him perfectly. But... Martial, I don't think he's done it well at all. Okay, you win. No, no, you win. Um, one person I'm excited to see in the Premier League is Verratti. Uh, can't wait for that signing at Chelsea. That really will be devastatingly good. Uh, just excitement there on my behalf. I think Verratti's a brilliant player. I think Conte will manage him beautifully. Anyone disagree? He's not going to... to <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> No, he'll go to um, he'll go to Dortmund <laughs> under Lucien Favre, and they'll win the Champions League. They'll win the treble. That really treble. is. I mean, that is a stuffle. That's a twist, isn't it? Um, if ever there was one, uh, I suppose. To be honest, you, you're probably about as legitimate as any headline out there right now. Uh, favorite goal this season in the Premier League? Emre Chan won it, and Gary Neville was salty, but you know. And Rich Anu turns up once every four games. Okay, uh, the child of uh, <laughs> Gary Neville, apparently. It wasn't it? David Silva's goal against West Ham. It was a really nice build-up of play. It, it was a good play, and it was also quite refreshing to see him back, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, Chris, 
what about you in, in the championship? Of- chance, I would say chance is the best because of the, the not ne- not just the technical execution, but actually the physical requirement as well to, to change your body and and, and all just that the kind thought of thing. to do that there as well is just sort of a weird. Yeah, one, that's pretty you know? audacious. Yeah, audacious is a lovely word to describe it. Um, hey guys, huge fan the A of the the A League, unlike uh, the EPL, uh, has playoffs. To determine the league winners. This one comes from Ash. Uh, any merit to this format? Or well, get rid. I mean, I suppose there is some uh, merit, isn't there? I suppose it does vary things up a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, uh, I think Nico is an American. You've got much more uh, general contact with playoffs. Yeah, um, I, I like how the NBA is structured to some extent. But at the same time, I think football's a football should be... I, I like the way, it's, the way it's run, basically. I mean, I, I like the the way that the normal league is structured because it it is the best determiner of the most consistent and best team in the league. You know, you have to be switched on from day one. It's the most consistent team across a period of time, not just the best team sort of at the end of the season. While there are merits to both, you know, hitting your stride at the right point, constructing things so that they work out at certain points in time that sort of pander towards a, a playoff style. Um, I do really appreciate the, the league format. So in terms of, um, I think league play should should still be structured in the way it is, but cup competitions, obviously, the playoffs are, are an exciting thing. Very good point. Um, but you, there's another question right here for you. Uh, Chris, you are nominated for an award. Am I right? Uh, I'm part of... Is this the... The, the John, John McKenzie, McKenzie World, uh, World Cup uh, World of Writers. Cup of yeah. Yes. Go yes, on. I've made the group stages. And what does that mean? Um, it's just, I, I think basically what John decided to do uh, was organise and try and work out, in inverted commas, who was the best journalist. Um, and I proceeded to make the six. I think it was a 64. So he tried like a World Cup, so the 64... That had to qualify, and I made the top 32 in 12th place. And then I got drawn into a group with uh, James Richardson, Ian Ladyman, and I forget who else. Um, but you, I mean, you really should be you should be getting out of that group, shouldn't you? Oliver K, that's it. So it's myself. You should, you should definitely be getting out of the group. Uh, I currently sit in second in I the know. group. You can thank my vote for that, mate. Um, so yes. Wouldn't it be a laugh if I won it, though? I mean, admittedly, Miguel Delaney's already said it's a completely farcical tournament, but still, I'd love to win it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it really isn't about... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not about that. It's about making it out the group stages. Yes, that's all I'm after. I don't want to be on the first plane home. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be so fascinated to see who goes through in that. Uh, do keep us up to date if you want to head and, and vote for Kristen. We, I think we've retweeted it on our uh, Twitter timeline. It's called the Biro Door, in the same way as the Ballon Door. Um, uh, do you ever use a Biro, Chris? Uh, I do. More, yeah, you're not a ball, you're a ballpoint man, or purely Biro. Otherwise, I wouldn't have qualified for this. I think. Great point, great point. All these articles are written in Biro. Uh, yeah, some of the other journalists don't even use Biro. Um, there are some, there are some, uh, the Sun, who just write articles in their own shit. 
Um, I'm pretty sure that is. That's also true. Um, I'm pretty. I mean, <laughs> prove me wrong. Do you know what I mean? If you work at the Sun, uh, sometimes I got to admit it does look like you've just smeared shit all over the front of your. There's no head. evidence to say that they don't. Do that's that, a really good so. point. Uh, I also believe that sometimes they will uh, just not even go to work, uh, and sometimes just let the computers make it up. Um, will. Uh, Tottenham win the Premier League or European title first. Let's finish on this one for Adam Boltwood's sake. Uh, they've been excellent this season and arguably uh, worthy of uh, more than just a lowly 6-1 recognition that we gave them on this show. I would nominate Spurs as uh, the best team in the league this season. Am I right to do so? Yeah, I think you're right. Mm, no. Oh. Dave? I think Chelsea have shown. Obviously, Nico said about consistency over a league season. And unfortunately, Chelsea have shown that defensively they are so good. Um, I think Chelsea are better defensively than Spurs are going forward. And I'd say the Spurs going forward is their big strength. But I say Chelsea's ability to defend and to sit deep and to look for those counter-attacking opportunities is better than Spurs' ability to break teams down, but it has been massively improved this season. What's their best ever points record? Um, There's a crazy stat that's going around as well about their goal uh, difference this season is the same goal difference between um, between 1992 to 2012 combined, which is pretty funny um, and pretty good. So yeah, Spurs, maybe next season um, they'll push, but I just can't see them getting over that line and being Premier League champions, unfortunately. Sorry, Adam. Upsetting, but fine. Uh, should we also just have a quick mention? I mean, Sunderland, we, we probably won't speak much more about Sunderland this season uh, because they've been dealt somewhat of a, a crappy hand this season um, or dealt themselves a crappy hand. That Arguably, they were the dealer in the situation and just sort of messed it up. Um, but Chris, someone who definitely deserves a lot of um, recognition for everything that's been going on this season is Jermaine Defoe. I mean, arguably he'll move on to another Premier League club or another high-end club. Um, but there's been something very nice about the relationship that he's built up with the young Brad Lowry, or Bradley Lowry as people call him. Um, and uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's been all over the place with him uh, as a Sunderland player. And there is a lovely relationship he's building up with the young kid. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I have just this second retweeted uh, something from the Pride and Northeast Awards tonight, where the two of them walked down the red carpet. Yeah. Um, I th- I think looking at it from two very different um, perspectives, I think the way Jermaine's handled it and the the bond that he's built with the young man is it's just what I want every footballer to be. If I'm really honest. It's it's that purely stripping with of everything that maybe you don't like about the game that leaves a bit of a bad taste, and it's just a, a player and a fan connecting on a very fundamental level. And I think it's just to, the thing is just to see the two of them interact. You know how genuine their bond is, and I think how much Jermaine has been touched by Bradley's presence in his life, and I appreciate that that really it's it's the opposite that is the, the positive in, in many ways. But I think it's nice that that they both kind of gain something from that. And and from Bradley, look, I'll be very frank here, he's been dealt one of the shittest hands in life. And we sitting here now are so eternally lucky to be in the position we are in. And it's terribly sad that 
that Bradley won't be with us for longer because I think his outlook on life, his perspective, and also his parents' perspective teaches us all a lesson. And I think he's a wonderful young man. And I genuinely think as a representative of football, if you want to be that grand, but also just as a representative of Sunderland, they can be so proud that they can associate that young man with their football club because I think he's a wonderful little kid. I really do. Very good point. Uh, well, it's been fantastic to have you guys uh, join us tonight. If you want to uh, go over and see some more of Nico's work, Nico, where can people find you? Find me on my Twitter at Nico underscore Omerales. Excellent stuff. Uh, Dave, what about you? Find me on my Twitter, Nico underscore Omerales. And Kristen. At the front three. Excellent work. Uh, well, you can join us on probably Monday, I think it is, uh, as we review the final weekend. Uh, who's going to finish in the top four? Who's going to finish outside the top four? That's really what the final weekend comes down to. Uh, and that is probably one of the most compelling races of the season that we've seen. Uh, it wasn't maybe the most exciting of title races, uh, but it certainly has been uh, a season where things have changed a little bit. Uh, We'll, we'll do more summary next week. It's going to be fascinating to, to talk that through with all you guys, including Adam Boltwood. Uh, it's been good to have you. Uh, if you are in the New York area, be careful. Uh, Kristen's there. Uh, if you have any recommendations for stuff you can do, of course, send them over there. It'd be fantastic. Chris, are you seeing any MLS games? I think I am going to New York Red Bulls, New England next week. But other than that, yeah, it's just a brief stop this time. Yeah, fair enough. Well, he's on his way back very soon, but uh, if you see him on the street, stop him. Let him know how much you enjoy uh, his journalism, even if he didn't win the Biro door. Uh, it's been good to have you guys tonight, and we'll see you again real soon right here on The Front Parade.